Hello and welcome to the Harvest Podcast, brought to you by The Field in Charlotte, North Carolina. Here at The Field, we put love into action. We hope you are blessed by these previous sermons by Reverend Dr. Peter M. Wary. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on whichever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church and Instagram at The Field CLT. Yesterday 
virtual sanctuary here at the field. Our word from today comes from the Old Testament book of Ezra, chapter 3, and I'll be reading verses 8 through 13. Ezra 3, verses 8 through 13, and I'll be reading from the Good News Translation, and it reads, So, in the second month of the year, after they came back to the site of the temple in Jerusalem, they began work. Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of their people, the priests and the Levites, in fact, all the exiles who had come back to Jerusalem joined in the work. All the Levites 20 years of age and older were put in charge of the work of rebuilding the temple. The Levite Jeshua and his sons and relatives Kamenial and his sons, the clan of Hodaviah, joined together in taking charge in rebuilding the temple. They were helped by the Levites of the clan Hinnadad. When the builders started to lay the foundation of the temple, the priests in their robes took their places with trumpets in their hands, and the Levites of the clan of Asaph stood there with cymbals. They prayed God, praised God according to the instructions handed down from the time of King David. They sang the Lord's praises, repeating the refrain, The Lord is good. And his love for Israel is eternal. Everyone shouted with all their might, praising God, because the work on the foundation of the temple had been started. Many of the older priests, the Levites, the, and heads of clans, had seen the first temple. And they watched the foundation of this temple being laid. They cried and wailed. But others who were there shouted for joy. No one could distinguish between the joyful shouts and the crying because the noise they made was so loud it could be heard for miles. Verse 12, many of the older priests, Levites, and heads of clans had seen the first temple. And when they watched the foundation of this temple being laid, they cried and wailed, but others who were there shouted for joy. For the time that I have allotted to me, I want to come from the subject mourning about yesterday. Mourning, grieving about yesterday. Let us pray. To the God of my ancestors, to the God of Shirley, Bernard, Mary, Simeon, and James, we say thank you for this preaching opportunity. Now, God, I have done the work. All I ask is that you be consistent and do what you do best. Give your name glory, edify your people, and terrify the enemy. We pray, God, that this word breaks systems, disrupts structures of power, change the mindset of people. We ask all this in your awesome power through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and through that name above every name, that powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. 1989 was probably the greatest year of my life. I was not born in 1989, but the greatest movie of all times came out in 1989. Tim Burton's Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson that has shaped the entirety of my life. So much so to that this very day, I am still a Batman fan. And then, you know, we had Batman Returns, which was awesome. 
And then we had Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. We're not going to talk about those. And then we had, obviously, the trilogies with Christopher Bale. And then, last year, we had the Batman. Now, I haven't forgotten Ben Affleck, but he didn't have his own movie, so I'm not including him. So, in the Batman, I was not a fan initially. Because the actor that plays Batman also played Twilight. I hate Twilight. Vampires should not glitter in the sun. But that's another story for another time. When I heard that he was going to be Batman, I was not a fan. Didn't like it. I was stuck on the glory of 1989's Batman that I couldn't see the possibilities of the Batman. And the more I waited for this movie to come out, the more I saw the pictures, the more I saw what the Batmobile looked like, the more I saw the story, the more I heard about what the director's vision was, I felt myself grieving. I felt myself grieving because I am a 1989 Tim Burton Batman fan till the day I die. So much so that most of my memorabilia is 1989 Batman. But I decided to be a true Batman fan. I walked into the theater opening night, sat down, and watched the Batman. When I walked out of that theater, I had no words. The English language could not fully articulate how I felt about that movie. And even to this day when people ask me, I don't have the sufficient enough words to express how I feel about that movie. Other than it is a strong contender of being on par with or dare I say, even better than 1989's Tim Burton's Batman. What am I saying? I'm saying a lot of times we are hesitant about the upgrades in our lives because we've grown accustomed to the former. We look at, when we think about job promotions, the money may be good, but the headaches and the drama are not. Sometimes you wish you could even go back to the position that you just left, not realizing the impact that you have in this new job will now help change your department or even the company as a whole. And if we're gonna be perfectly honest, the church is not exempt from the struggle of recognizing the former while anticipating what is new. Because in this season right now of in pandemic and post pandemic, a lot of things have happened and a lot of different things in different ways have occurred. The music has changed in our sanctuaries. The instruments of ministry have changed in our sanctuaries. Preaching styles have changed in our sanctuaries. Church buildings have changed in our sanctuary and have changed in our environments. The way we even use our church buildings have changed and the ideologies that we have hold dear in our churches have changed. Let's face it, y'all. I know a lot of us don't want to, but many of us are struggling to adjust how ministry is now being done in 2022. People are waiting to know why we believe what we believe. The questions that people would have in public or in private are now social media posts. Christians are being checked day in and day out based on a Google search. People are calling out issues in the church so much more than before. It leaves many of us mourning, grieving about the days of old, where we knew what to do and how to do. The days of old where we didn't have to worry about these kind of issues because the pastor would just give it to us. The days of old where people would check us when we were veering off left field. Those days are gone and we are struggling now to adapt. 
to adjust, to reset, to reframe our ways of thinking. We are mourning about the former glory. And our text today could also be a backdrop to our current predicament. You see, the exiles have just returned to Jerusalem after being in captivity for 70 long years. And then they spent two of those years after they came back in preparation, getting the materials ready for this monumentous occasion. For the time has come for them to begin to lay down the foundation for the second temple. Priests and Levites in their vestments break out all their instruments and usher in a praise that ignites the people into a praise. Because again, this is a joyous occasion. This is a joyous moment. This is a surreal experience. It is, but for some. Mixed into the praise is also weeping and wailing of what was. Because you see, there are older priests, older Levites, and older people who remember the glory of the first temple. Remember how excited they were about that new thing. And now here they are, 70 years later, 72 years later, preparing to lay down the foundation on this new temple. And while everyone is in a joyous experience, these people are crying, are wailing, are deeply concerned, are hurt, are saddened, because the former glory is gone. And they are struggling to adjust to this new thing. Beloved, the church has many problems. And the church has too many people mourning about yesterday. Too many people are crying, lamenting, and grieving about yesterday's accomplishments, achievements, and successes. They were good while they lasted, but the text makes it clear that in order for us to prepare ourselves for God's new foundation, we must shift. Shift from grieving, shift from lamenting, shift from mourning about yesterday to shouting about tomorrow. No one in here can hear me. We can't be who God wants us to be if we continue to cry about the church of old because God is laying down a new foundation and we must be prepared to make the shift from mourning to shouting because because. The only way we can get through these things, the only way the church can progress to the next place that God wants us to, we have to shift because we can't do the things we used to do the same way anymore, especially now in post-pandemic. We can't do those things anymore because God is calling us to shift. In my last message, I told you we had a call to reset. Well, God is calling us now to shift. We've already reset it, but now we got to shift. And so how do we make this shift? Because a lot of us have been mourning about yesterday for far too long to the point where we have been complacent and it is a part of our everyday lives. We've been so used to mourning and grieving and crying about the church of old and wishing for things to get back the way that they used to be that we have not even had the opportunity to dabble and what a shift looks like. Well, this text gives us three things that we need to recognize in order for us to make the shift. The first thing that we need to do is recognize the problem. Verse 12 makes it clear that many of the older Levites, priests, and heads of clans remember the first temple, the one that Solomon helped establish. They remember its splendor and wonder. They remember those moments that aren't even recorded in this text. They remember the jokes among friends while preparing sacrifices. They remember watching children interacting in the gates. 
They remember cherished loved ones just having conversations and breaking bread in those spaces that they were allowed to. They remember seeing men and women coming and purchasing doves and goats and calves for sacrifices. They remember walking into the Holy of Holies and feeling the presence, the heaviness, the weight, the vast otherness of God. They remember all of these things and they are in mourning. They're not excited about this new temple. No, they are mourning. They are lamenting because those memories are precious to them. Those memories have captivated them. Those memories, if we're honest, are some of the things that kept them in exile for all those years. It is those memories of this temple that is what kept their identity grounded in who they are and whose they are. It is these memories that helped them get through. But these are just memories. And God is calling them to create new ones. Because the reality is they may not live long enough to create new ones. Because remember, they were in exile for 70 years. The text does not tell us how old they were when they went into exile. But we know 70 years have passed since they have gone, gone into exile. And so we don't know how long they're going to be able to create new memories. But also nestled into this thing is a sense of amnesia. Because it's clear that the priests, the Levites, and the heads of clan forgot what God told Israel in Deuteronomy 28. Yeah, they forgot about the blessings and the curses that God gave to Moses and to Joshua. Because God said, do this and you will be blessed as a nation. But if you do this, then you will be cursed as a nation. And so the reason why the first temple was destroyed was because Israel did not adhere to God's warnings. No, they were too busy worshiping idols. There was too much corruption with the religious leaders and kings. And so the reality is they are the reason that it is no more. While they are mourning about the first temple, the reality is they are the reason the first temple was knocked down in the first place. So my question is, how many times have we tried to blame someone else for hindering progress when the reality is it was us the entire time? It has always been us. We think we are the heroes, but in actuality, we are the villains in our own narratives. We want to be Batman, but the reality is we're Joker. We want to be Superman, where the reality is we are Lex Luthor. We are the villains. We don't want to look at the person in the mirror. Shout out to Michael Jackson. We want to shatter the mirror because we don't want to recognize that we are it. We haven't changed our ways, but we still expect God to move exceedingly and abundantly in all that we ask or think. No, we have not changed because we are the villains. Similar to the priests, we are mourning. Because the priests not only were mourning because the first temple was gone, but they were also mourning because they lost access to their power, to their control, and being in charge of the systems that kept people bound. So these were the people in power. These were those in charge. And not only have they lost their temple, but they have lost what power that they had, what control that they had in the first building. They have become so obsessed with power. We have become so obsessed with power that when God clearly has telling us to do something new, we just mourn. We're not mourning the former church. We're mourning the power that we had in the former church. We're not mourning the church of old. We're mourning the control and the hierarchies of the church of old. We are so obsessed with power that when God is pushing us into progress, we want to stay where we are. It reminds me of when you hear about people stepping in the quicksand. You're supposed to stand still because when you stand still, you don't sink as fast. But when you move, that's when you are starting to sink Faster. So what are you saying, Reverend? Well, what I'm saying is we have been so obsessed with moving on our own accord instead of waiting for God to come 
pull us out. We have been so obsessed with that that we are sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into our mourning, into our lament, because all we want is power. All we want is control. All we want is to keep the hierarchy established. We must come to terms with the realization that the reason we have not progressed in life, in church, in ministry, is not because of just society, not because it's just the enemy, not because it's just mom and dad, but sometimes we are our own worst enemy. So in order for us to truly move forward, to truly shift from mourning into shouting, we must first recognize that we may be the, vil the villain hindering us and hindering the church from shifting. Not only do we need to recognize this, we also need to recognize the community. Again, in verse 12, we see that all these people are mourning. They're crying, they're lamenting about this old thing that is so dear to their hearts. But at the very same time, we see that there are people shouting, shouting for joy. We got people who have may not seen the glory of the first temple, or they may have seen the glory of the first temple. There is no distinguish between the two, but the assumption would be that many were probably born while in exile. So they haven't had the experience that these elders have had with the first temple. But best than believe, in order to keep the identity of Israel, they've heard about it. They heard about the glory of the first temple. They heard about the experiences that their family, that their ancestors have had. They heard the stories about how Solomon was the one who built this temple and all the things that happened, how the Shekinah glory of God falls like a thick smoke in the Holy of Holies and fills the entire temple. They heard all of this. So I can imagine why they are excited. All the memories that have caused the older folks to mourn, it is these memories that have caused them to shout. Why? Because they know they are about to experience the very thing that the elders are mourning about, the thing that they wish was still here. They are going to experience it right now, firsthand. So they are excited because this is what the building they've heard about. This is this building. And for them, this is their sign of identity and liberation. All they've known about God is worshiping God in foreign lands. They've been praising and acknowledging God for what God has done. And they are looking forward to what God will do. And they are in anticipation for what God is about to do. Because again, they are just laying down the foundation. The temple hasn't even been built yet. So they are excited to experience what the elders have experienced. They are excited to see the foundation being laid. They are excited about the walls being put up. They are excited about the roof being put down. And they are excited about that first sacrifice that they give to God. And they are excited and in anticipation of waiting for God's glory to fall down on the temple one more time, just like it did in the first temple. Because there is a community, y'all, who is excited about the shift that God is about to do in, the, in that time and in this time. There is a community who is excited about what God is going to do when God makes the shift but they have not seen the glory of the former because and they only have heard about it they only experienced it through first and second hand accounts but for them it is their first glory this is their point of identity and liberation and I wish the church had an exile excitement about the shift that God is doing as God lays down the foundation for this season but we don't want to recognize this community we don't want to be bothered with this community. Why? Because they may be unchurched. Because they may not fit the description of a model Christian and not a disciple. They may not be accustomed to the policies and procedures that we have set in place that have nothing to do with ministry. But it is with these people 
who have the shout. It is with these people that have the joy. It is with these people that have the excitement about the shift that God is about to lay down. Why? Because they have been the ones in the past who have been excluded from the joy. They have been the one the church didn't want to be in community with. So now God is giving them a glimpse of what God is about to do. And they are excited. Disciples of Christ, we need to get with this group that is also disciples of Christ because for far too long we have operated in Christianity but not in discipleship. We have operated in dogma and tradition have slowed down the progress of our faith communities. But God is wrapping up with some people who are excited about the shift because some of us have been a part of this community and, and those who have been a part of this community but they have seen God move in a mighty way and they are waiting for God to lay down a new foundation. And then we'll realize that for those of us who are trying to shift from mourning to shouting that we're not alone, that there is a community who will welcome us, even though at times when we have played the villain, we have not welcomed them. This reminds me of another great movie, not the greatest movie of all times, but another great movie. The movie Hook from 1991 with Robin Williams plays an adult Peter Pan. And if you recall, if you've seen the movie, there's a, a dinner scene where they are playing a game at the dinner table. Everyone's there. This adult Peter is sitting down. And everyone says, let's say grace. They put their heads down. Grace. Everyone starts eating. The problem is, though, there is no food on this table, everyone's eating, having a good time, chucking up their cups, laughing, fellowshipping. And here's adult Peter, hungry, starving. I think his stomach was growling, trying to figure out what's going on. And he, get, he talks to one of the lost boys next to him. He's like, where's the food? And they whisper in to him, and they say, use your imagination. And at once, his eyes are open, and he sees this casting buffet on this table. He's eating, he's having a good time, and then lurking in the background is Rufio, mad because he took over. And so, they're having a good time. They're still doing their thing. Rufio this is in his hater mode, decides to throw something at Peter. They throw Peter his sword. Peter whips it around and cuts, I think it was a coconut in half. And after that, everyone's in shock. Rufio leaves, and the little children come up to him, put their hands on his face and say, there you are, Peter. Sometimes... We got to recapture the joy that comes with being in community. Peter wouldn't have been able to do it if he wasn't in the community with the lost boys. So recognizing that liberation comes with a shift is realizing that there is a community who was just as excited as you are about God laying down a new foundation. We often think that shifting is a lone person's game. No, shifting your view of community and who belongs in your community because the realization is the community that doesn't belong, the community doesn't belong to you in the first place. But once you realize that this community is shouting for joy about the shift, the newness that God is laying down can be revealed in you. But all you got to do is recognize the community. Recognize those people that we have casted off who are excited about God's new thing. And not only that, not only do we need to recognize the community, but finally, we need to recognize the amplifiers. In verse 13, there are two actions occurring. One group is mourning, and one group is shouting for joy. One group has experienced the old temple, and one group may or may not have experienced the old temple, but they're still shouting. One group wants to keep things the same, and one group is looking for a change. Regardless of where they are 
between the weeping and the shouting, the weeping and the shouting mixed together so much so that it amplifies the sound, that it can be heard for miles. So people will be interested and come see what's happening because sometimes we wish to hush those who hinder the progress and rightfully so because sometimes they take up space sometimes they're a nuisance sometimes they're bothersome sometimes they are annoying oh my god are they annoying but you just keep shouting now that you shift it because the complaints will mesh into the praise and create a new sound and i believe the scripture says a new song it will intrigue the people enough to listen because, some, because sometimes a desperate times calls for desperate measures. Certain tactics are needed to get the point across. So in order for us to shift from mourning to shouting, we got to let the haters do what they're going to do. We got to let the naysayers complain because their complaints will mix in with our shouts. And then the amplification of all that voice will let the world know something is happening up in this place. But again... Certain tactics are needed to get the point across. Desperate times calls for desperate measures. This again reminds me of another movie. Y'all know I love movies. Y'all know I love movies. I feel like I have talked about a movie in every single sermon, but we're going to talk about The Karate Kid now. Very first one. Not Cobra Kai, but there are some principles that will also impact that. So if you remember, when Mr. Miyagi was teaching Daniel's son karate, he didn't give him the principles at first. Y'all remember what he did? He gave him a bucket, some water, two towels. And he said, four words, wax on, wax off. That was it. He did that for what, however long until he got frustrated. And then finally, in his frustration, he told Mr. Mr. Miyagi he was going to quit. And then Mr. Miyagi stopped him and said, wax on. Did the move and then showed him the proper technique. What Mr. Miyagi was doing was preparing him with muscle memory for what he was about to do when he taught him Miyagi-Do. What are you saying, Reverend? Because you're talking about all these movies, and I'm about tired of you talking about all these movies. What I'm saying is it seems like, it may seem like your shout is meaningless in the seas of mourning, but rest assured that their complaints and your shouts will equal a commotion. All the shout is doing is giving you muscle memory for what God's about to do because a lot of times people are going to mourn longer than they are before they get to the shouting. So all you need to do is to muscle memory your shout, is to get your shout ready and to have endurance in your shout so that when the mourning dissipates and the shout comes, all you can do is lift your head back and give God praise for what God has done because God has shifted someone else's mourning into shouting. So if we take ownership in the parts where we have failed, recognize community and the regular and recognize the amplifiers, we have the capacity to shift from mourning to shouting because God has strategically placed us in 2022 to tip the scale. God has strategically placed us in 2022 to bring about liberation, to bring about true worship, to bring about community, but we must shift, shift from tradition, shift from dogmatic practices, shift from church politics, shift from pewology, shift from misogyny, shift from gender discrimination. We need to shift because when we shift, y'all, when we shift, we can stand tall after exile. We can stand tall in the fullness of our liberation. We can speak truth to power. We can feel the broken. We can open the eyes of those who have been blind. We can give hearing to those who have been deaf. We can help people transform by renewing their mind. Because all it takes is shift. We need to reimagine the church as a church, but not just a church, but we need to reimagine it as a ministry. We need to re we need to reimagine what it means to be disciples and not worry about what it means to be a Christian. We need to reimagine what it means to love our neighbors as ourselves. We need to reimagine what it's like to love God with all of our being. We need to reimagine what God has in store for us, for those who love him. We need to reimagine that blessings are coming, but we need to reimagine how the blessings look like. We need to reimagine that struggle is coming because the struggles may not look how they looked before. But all I know, all I know that if we shift, if we shift, 
shift, if we shift, if we shift, if we shift, God's gonna do something. But we need to shift. God ain't gonna move until we shift. God's not gonna move until we shift. Cause we can't progress until we shift. God's not gonna do nothing until we shift. God's not gonna move until we shift. God's not gonna break down strongholds until we shift. God's not gonna make a way out of no way until we shift. God's not gonna do nothing. Nothing, nothing until we shift. We need to shift, y'all. 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 We need to shift, y'all.
calling the church to shift. The things that we used to do, we can't do no more. Because God is calling us to shift. If you don't take anything away from this message today, take this away that God is calling you to shift. this message and you are in mourning because you realize now that the former glory is gone it's dead it's not coming back it's not being resurrected you are now grieving but I got some good news for you God can shift Celebrating this shift from mourning to shouting. Now that you have shifted or you're in the process of a shift, you need a community who has already shifted, who can walk with you in this process, who can pray over you, who can love over you. And if you will, so please, we offer up our community to you. Don't be fooled. Just because we're virtual, just because we're in Charlotte, does not mean that you can't join this community of shifters. If this is you, put it, put it in the tag. Put the tag in the comment section. Field me CLT. Someone from the ministerial staff will reach out to you, love on you, pray with you, and give you the next steps on being a disciple. We ain't doing minute, we ain't doing members no more. We are in the disciple making business. We are fishermen of people. And that's what we are called to do. So if that's you, please come and join this community. It doesn't matter where you are, because we are here. And we will love on you regardless. If you are in need of prayer, same thing. Hashtag prayer. Someone will pray for you, lift you up help you in your grieving process and help you in your transition from mourning to shouting. Amen, amen, and amen. Yes. Strong.
in prayer to the God that calls us to shift to the ever moving God the God that progresses the God that doesn't stay stagnant we say thank you thank you for helping us to see that sometimes it's us that's the God thank you God for helping us to see that there is a community shout with them. And God, we thank you for helping us to recognize the amplifiers that when people make their morning complaints, you have given us prophetic power to shout. Mm. Prophetic power. Ooh, I felt that. To shout. God, we thank you for that power. And it is in that power, Lord, that we bind right from progressing your kingdom. Things that keep us from progressing this ministry, whether it be people, place, or things. God, we bind it right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. And Lord, we also loose, God, because your word says if we bind it on earth, it will be bound in heaven. But if we loose it on earth, it will be loosed in heaven. God, we ask you to loose, Lord, some shifters, God. Those who are tired of mourning, God, because we shed our last tear yesterday. So God, we are asking, Lord, to move us from mourning into shouting right now, God, in the name of Jesus. Because, Lord, we believe, we know, and we declare and decree, God, that you are a God that can do anything but fail. So, Lord, we ask right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, to loose the shout right now, God. To loose the shout right now, God. To loose the praise right now, God. The things that were bothering us, Lord, we ask them to dissipate in the mighty name of Jesus, God. Because we ask, Lord, to release a shout in this place. To release a shout in the atmosphere, God. So that when we worship, the worship will permeate, Lord. Not just in this building. Not just in this city. Not just in this state, not just in this country, but in the entire world, God. The Lord, we know we need you right now in this world, Lord. So, God, let the prophetic power of a shout luriate in this place, permeate in this place, saturate in this place, God. Wherever people are hearing the sound of my voice, God, right now, Lord, I ask the prophetic power of the shout to fall down in their homes, to fall down in the gut, in the coffee shop, to fall down. But God, you haven't called us to be stagnant, God. You haven't called us to be complacent, God. You have called us to be shifters. You have called us to be innovators. You have called us to be creators, God. So in that spirit right now, God, in the prophetic power of the shout, God, I declare and decree, Lord, that everyone hearing my voice right now will have the release, the release of the shout, the release of the spirit, the release of joy, the release of praise, the release of peace, the release of contentment, God. shall we give it up to you, God. So we are asking this right now, God, in the mighty name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God. We are asking, Lord, for the man that hung up on a tree, but flipped the script and rose in three days, God. We are asking right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, in the blood of Jesus, God, right now, God, right now, God, release, God, shift, God, transition, God, integrate, God, all the things that we are needing right now to do ministry in this world.
the one that shifted a place, an instrument of torture and execution to an empty tomb and a declaration of power and authority. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And amen. Shifting the air. We love you. We hope you have a blessed week. Join us for the word on Wednesday. And always be with us on Sunday. Our worship experience. Same Mayfield time. Same Mayfield place. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Podcast. We pray that the message uplifted, encouraged, and challenged you as you continue to walk with God. If you're looking for a church home, the field is not confined by the four walls of the church. If you wish to become a partner in ministry, but more importantly, a member of this global family, simply click the link.